The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about <laughs> you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Crossfield Zinga from Van Dijk. Salah. Kukareya is the defender. And Henderson goal! Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Here is Oxlade Chamberlain, the substitute. Oh, what a ball. Brilliant. What a goal for Liverpool. That is absolutely served on a plate by Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Sadio Mane just couldn't miss. Enoch Muepu, hello. Oh, that's a fine goal. And he's placed it absolutely perfectly as the Zambian. Bypasses Trossard and Lalana and Trossard. And they've opened Liverpool up again. And they've got themselves an equaliser. Right, so I suppose the positive is Liverpool are still unbeaten, but without a doubt, two points dropped as Brighton came back from uh, two down. And the game came at a cost as well. Naby Keita, of course, the latest on the midfield injury list. Um, Our extra players needed in January. That and the Champions League tie with Atletico to discuss. Uh, We've got Kiva O'Neill and James Pearce. Kiva, you were at the game, you watched it, you've written about it. Day off for this this Liverpool side. Let, let's just start with a little positive, the goals from, from Jordan Henderson and, and Sadio. The perfect platform, really. Yeah, the first goal in particular was just so well worked, wasn't it? I think it was Henderson had a little bit of a back heel in the, in the build-up to it. It was... You know, really good goal, really good finish from the captain who, you know, is getting himself among the, the goals this season, which is good to see. And you always love a Jordan Henderson celebration and he always gives us all for that. So that was nice. A nice sort of start to the game, about four minutes in, you thought, yeah, this is Liverpool, they're just going to be relentless. And he was for that time. I mean, there was a bit of a warning sign maybe inside the first 10 minutes. Brighton had like had a couple of good chances, got broken to Liverpool's box and you knew what they could do and maybe that'll come to hurt Liverpool later on, which it obviously did. Oxlade-Chamberlain comes on for Naby Keita and puts in that gorgeous cross for Sadio Mane. And then, yeah, I think... Klopp even said that I think Mane's second goal is his favourite ever, which was obviously the disallowed goal, just for the pressure that you know he and Salah and the team put on um, Robert Sanchez in the in the Brighton goal. You know, a lot of positives to take from that, but then it just what can you do about Mwepu's goal really? You know, Alisson was sort of caught out. I think the sun was actually shining at that point, but it went so quickly the sun that I was like, was the sun shining or not? But yeah, just a bizarre goal, a really good one to see and witness, actually. It was just like, where the hell did that come from? And then obviously we know what happens in the second half and Liverpool just lacked in something and I, I couldn't quite figure out what it was, whether it was energy or they just dropped a little bit of belief. The body languages just started dropping off, you know, all over the pitch. You could just see the heads were dropping a bit and, you know, Klopp and his staff were shouting from the side of the pitch. You know, Henderson was bickering with... Oxley Chamberlain at one point and then Van Dyke towards the end of the game. It just it wasn't the Liverpool that we that we watched last week by any stretch. There was instances of that Liverpool, but just not enough. And yeah, I think they done well to avoid the It all to be got honest. really frustrating. Let, let's face it, two 0 up, James, and we're all thinking it's going to be three minimum because they've been scoring at least three, haven't they, in games? Yeah. Third goal was was nearly there. And in hindsight, you look back and you think, well, if they had got the third, surely that would have been it. But as Kiva mentioned there, it's it's so hard to put your finger on why it all turned so dramatically. Yeah, I think the first thing you've got to say is Brighton are a really good team. It wasn't like Liverpool lost their way against 
a, a team that have been struggling. I think you know, Graham Potter has done an f- unbelievably good job there and they're really pleasing on the eye. And I don't, I just don't think they were ever going to be the kind of team that was just going to go away. Sometimes a team will come to Anfield, be in that situation 2-0 down after 25 minutes and almost go into damage limitation mode where they're thinking, oh God, this could be, this mm. could be five or six. But I just think Brighton have got such a belief in what they do. They're made of really stern stuff. So I wasn't surprised that they didn't go quietly. I think the massively disappointing for me was the fact that Liverpool eased off where they they, they were in that position to, to really make a statement. And just loads of sloppy errors crept in. I think it was strange because I, I'm watching it. I was, I was watching it in a, in a bar in Alicante, actually, full of Liverpool fans. And it just... I thought Liverpool looked a bit leggy. I don't know why, because obviously most of them had had midweek off. You know, there was no real reason, but they just seemed to be lacking that, that spark and... You know, people point fingers at the defence of how easily Brighton got in behind them. But I must admit, I, I agree with what Klopp said, was that it was more a, a collective issue. Well, I think he, he talked about them not covering the half spaces well enough, which, you know, essentially where it was too easy for Brighton in the middle of the park. They were allowed time and space on the ball. And, and when you give them that, they can they can hurt you. So it was, it was interesting what Klopp said. You know, very rarely is he so... Critical in terms of when he, you know, he, he said about in the in the second half, he didn't like the body language of some of his players. I think his quote was like, "It was like, oh my god, this is really tough," and it was. And and Liverpool just really struggled to respond to that. You know, you can point to the two disallowed goals, you know, the the Sadio Mane handball and obviously the Salah offside one, but you know, there's no way Liverpool deserved more than a point from that game. They could even have lost it. You know, I thought they had lost it when Trossard tucked that one away late on. So. Um, you know, the only real positive to come from it was the fact they didn't lose the game. You both referred to what we expected to be some momentum from the Manchester United win. Isn't football mad, Kiwi? You know, you, you do that one weekend at Old Trafford, one of the historic performances and wins, and then this happens a week later. And as James mentioned there, I mean, you know, most of these players not even involved midweek. I think that's why fans walked out the ground feeling like this felt like a defeat because they've just watched the team absolutely smash Manchester United to pieces in their own back garden and then they've come and produced that kind of performance which had moments and glimpses of that team but just wasn't all there and all together as it was on, on Sunday. Um, so I think that's where you know the disappointment really lies because they've just produced that phenomenal performance, season defining, and, you know, We'll be talking about that in many, many years to come. But then now we're here, you just drew 2-2 at Brighton and it does just feel like a bit of a, a drop in momentum after, you know, that game. You thought that Liverpool, something had clicked. Obviously, you know, you see United beat Spurs 3-0 and that sort of gave them the bit of drive now. Maybe so football is a funny game. It can work in different ways. But yeah, I, I agree what James said about Brighton just being a really good football team. They probably, I think Klopp said it after, like they're almost like underrated by people. Like, you know, they're high up in the league. They've had a really good start. They're a very good football team. Liverpool struggled to break through them, but I think Liverpool struggled on the wings. You know, Klopp changed the formation. It was about 71 minutes in. Um, he shouted Oxlade-Chamberlain over and just gave him instructions. I think Liverpool had a free kick. And then Oxlade-Chamberlain ran over to Firmino and started saying, you know, where they were going to play. And he he moved Oxlade-Chamberlain to the left. I think Mane moved across. And it was a 4-4-2, he said, after the game. which I didn't really notice in the, in the madness of it all. But, you know, that's a madness for Jürgen Klopp to go, we're really struggling here with the width. I think Cucurella was immense down the left for Brighton. 
you know, for them to be like, we need to put more back to deal with this because Liverpool were under it. I was fully convinced Brighton were going to score. They obviously did. And then, you know, it was offside, luckily for Liverpool. So a lot of people come out knowing Liverpool should have won the game because you expect Liverpool to win the game on the back of beating Man United 5-0. But at the same time, you know, Brighton could have easily rolled Liverpool over there and, and just looked like they were going to. Adam Lallana having the, the game yeah, of his Brighton career path. Trossard. Um, he was so, so good. The first Cruyff turn, I think, sort of got a bit of a <laughs> smile from everyone. Let's talk midfield then. You know, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, we'll, we'll start with him. Obviously, there's a bit of a midfield dilemma going on now. Last season, it was a defensive crisis. Now we're looking at the midfield and we're all sort of scratching our head, James, and thinking, is there enough there for the long term? I mean, you, you start the season, you've got all these options, Fabinho, you know, Thiago, Jordan, Keita. They all seem to be dropping like pins quite quickly. Yeah, and it, it certainly is a, a major concern now, isn't it? I think you rewind probably to pre-season and it was a big talking point probably until we realised that Harvey Elliott was being reinvented as a centre midfielder and then you kind of went, well, actually, do you know what? That kind of changes things, especially with how well Harvey Elliott started the season. And you think, well, that's a fresh option. So maybe Liverpool can get by without a, a Wijnaldum replacement. But I think it was always a nagging concern because... It wasn't just the skill set of Genie Wijnaldum. It was the fact he was incredibly durable. I mean, he just never missed a game of football, did he? He was always available for the manager, which, you know, in all the different attributes you could list about a footballer, that is the biggest one. Like, you know, someone who's, who's just always there and always ready. And, and also the versatility that Wijnaldum had, where he was, you know, he was just at home playing, you know, as a number eight, as he was a number six, and, and a very selfless individual. So, um... You know, a, a lot of misfortune has now put Liverpool in a position now where, you know, he is down to, almost to the bare bones, isn't he? With especially obviously Milner picked up that hamstring injury at, at Old Trafford. Now, obviously, you know, Cater, thankfully, having been on the receiving end of that horrendous challenge from Pogba, gets back quick, but then, you know, does his hamstring on the weekend. So you'd imagine we're probably looking at the, the same midfield that finished, you know, the, obviously Oxley came on at the weekend when you're probably looking at him, Henderson, and Curtis Jones. You know, the only kind of ray of light at the moment in terms of reinforcements is Thiago isn't far away. Klopp said on Friday that he'd been back in full training on Thursday. But I think after after a fair amount of time out, they're being extra cautious there. And I know Klopp said he won't be fully up to speed until after the international break. But you just wonder whether he will have to you know get some minutes this week because there isn't too much left in the cupboard midfield-wise. It's amazing, isn't it? Kiva, you, you've written on this. You've, you've had a, a deep look into it. Could you have actually predicted, or is this a little bit harsh to say? I mean, you'd have never known what was going to happen with Harvey Elliott, but you know Thiago's got a history of injuries. You know, Naby's been erratic in the years that, that he's been at Liverpool. Henderson's had his injury problems. So that there are midfielders there that you might have said pre-season, you know, before the campaign. Is it a concern or is it easy to say that now in hindsight? Yeah, it probably is easier to say it in hindsight. I think we couldn't have predicted what happened to the defence last season, even for Joel Matip and Joe Gomez's injuries over the seasons. But I think with the midfield, you know, some of these players are a little bit more injury prone, but there's that many of them that you thought, oh, Liverpool will be okay if they don't, you know, replace Wijnaldum. So the worry sort of, I think, got put to the back of a lot of people's minds, and especially when Harvey Elliott was released 
onto you know unleashed onto uh, Premier League football. You know he looks so so good, and I think he would be playing pretty much every game. Um, you know he played so much at Blackburn when he was on loan there, so that would have been I think he'd, he'd nailed down that position. Um, and then obviously his injury was so unfortunate that you know that kind of he was the Wijnaldum replacement almost to the squad. And then now you know it's just. You're worried, I think, you know, Fabinho's out. Klopp said that was a complicated knee injury. They don't, don't quite know what's going on yet. I think we'll probably that's, find that's out That's the biggest week. one, isn't it, in um, all of this? Yeah, definitely. Fabinho's Liverpool's most important midfielder by a long stretch, I think. You know, Jordan Henderson's the captain. We know what he does. And he's going to be vital in the weeks to come, as is Curtis Jones, who's, you know, didn't start the season, had a few issues, and, you know, now has, has stepped up. Didn't think he had his best game on Saturday, but did any of them, really. So, yeah, Fabinho is the one, I think. Liverpool were massively missing. There were so many moments when Brighton cut through Liverpool. And I was just thinking, Fabinho would have been there to mop that up and just get Liverpool going forward again. So, I think he does feel like the big one. Thiago needs to come back pretty soon. You know, like James said, if he can get some minutes from off the bench against Atletico and then, you know, you, you feel like you need them against West Ham. But will he be up to speed enough to, to play against them? They're in such good form at the minute. Um, obviously won again on the road on Sunday. So it's becoming a bit of a problem for Klopp. I feel like it probably always was going to be going into the season if injuries were to kick up as they have. Harvey Elliott obviously being the main one. And then, yeah, just niggling ones. I think if Liverpool had all of those midfielders to pick from, then they wouldn't have a problem. But, you know, they sort of seem to be dropping like flies and then coming back and then one of them will go and it's just kind of like in that frustrating moment. You kind of wish maybe Cater would have almost been rested even though, you know, he was okay to play because then he would have avoided this. And, you know, he's a player who's had a difficult sort of time at Liverpool, but I think he's been an important player this season. I think Oxlade-Chamberlain has definitely got minutes in him now, which is a good thing for Liverpool. And I think maybe we could see you know, a better performance from him um, against Atletico will have to. And then, you know, he likes playing against West Ham, I think. He scored some goals against them in, in the past, hasn't he? So, yeah, I think it's about those on the periphery now stepping up. I mean, Ox started well, to. James, didn't he? And, you know, for for him, so important to get first-team football. He's He's been desperate to sort of get back in there, but, of course, stopped by the quality that's been ahead of him. Uh, brilliant cross, of course, for, for the goal, but... He waned, didn't he, in the game against Brighton? I don't know what it was. He, in the second half, he just he didn't look like the player in the first half that started at such a, a good pace and a tempo. Yeah, I mean, he was probably one of the few. He, he probably you know, fatigue, maybe was a real reason having featured against Preston in in midweek. Having oh, let's not forget, you know, prior to that, he hadn't played a huge amount of football. He spent most of this opening few months of the season warming the bench. So. For him, he's got to look upon this week as a fantastic opportunity. You know that's that's been a feature, hasn't it, of the last few seasons? That when there has been adversity that Klopp has had to, to face, that someone has emerged from the fringes and and done a fantastic job. You know we saw that last season with you know, probably Nat Phillips was the the absolute epitome of that. Someone who you know wouldn't have expected to have been given those opportunities, and then bang, you know he's he's in there starting almost week in week out, and it feels like it's a really key period for Oxlade Chamberlain because he has had a tough time again you know very stop start really since he came back from that serious injury hasn't really been able to get back to the heights that he was at prior to that you know in and out of the team 
you know, in that kind of vicious circle where you probably need to be playing more regularly to, to be able to get back to your best. But then if you're not justifying getting picked every week, then you're not going to get that regular football. And let's not forget, you know, there's a lot of talk about contracts at the moment, in particular around Mo Salah. Well, you know, Oxley chamberlains also well into the last two years of his deal as well. And so, you know, he, he's got a lot to prove this season in terms of saying, well, you know, I should be part of the future going forward. And... Um, the talents there. I mean, that was an unbelievable delivery for for mm. Marnie, and you just want to see that more from him. I think. I think sometimes I get the feeling of Oxley Chamberlain. He's a bit hard on himself, and I, when I watch him sometimes in games, when I think sometimes he seems to struggle to shake off mistakes, as if you know he does, sometimes he seems to beat himself up a little bit in terms of not being able to say just just to park what just happened and move on, and and sometimes he then tries too hard, and then more mistakes happen, and then the head drops a little bit, and. Um, because you know, the opportunities will definitely be there for him. You know what a week it is with you know I think absolutely mouthwatering, isn't it? The prospect of Atletico coming to Anfield on Wednesday night after how dramatic and eventful and spiky the the game was over there a few weeks ago, and then as Kiva said before, West Ham away is up there with you know the the trickiest trips you can you can have in the Premier League at the moment with the form there in under David Moyes. So um, so yeah, massive massive opportunity for Oxlade Chamberlain, and and let's let's hope he grasps it. Yeah, because at his best, how can you not be a fan of him? So, you know, fingers crossed he, he finds that form. Liverpool brought on Jota, but brought him on late in, in the game, I thought, Kiva. I, I don't think it really gave him enough time to maybe influence things. You could almost feel the crowd wanting a change. You know, you could sense they needed Liverpool needed someone to come on. Obviously, I think with Klopp having to make that early change, he sort of waited um, when he, he'd brought on Oxlade-Chamberlain and I think it was at the 19th minute or something. Um, so I, I feel like sometimes with Klopp, he'll either just, just make the change or he will really leave it. And he, he sort of like, you're almost like he's testing this team to find something before he, he replaces one of them. Um, just that, yeah, Jota didn't really have an impact when he when he come on. I think same said for Minamino. He had like the first 30 seconds he was on, I think there was like a, a really good moment when he sort of broke through and then Mike Dean somehow called it back for a free kick, which just stopped Liverpool's momentum. It was like, that was the moment. I think it was quite late on when you just knew, yeah, this, this isn't going to happen for Liverpool today. And I think that's probably the worrying thing from this is that the same feeling was sort of there at Brentford that, yeah, Liverpool are lucky and almost escaped because both of those games they could have lost and would have done in you know years before Klopp was here. They're the games Liverpool end up losing late on. Um, but I just think that feeling of not winning late, you know, where are the late winners? The team needs to, to dig in and start producing them again because obviously we know that's what title winning teams do. They, they wait till late and then they score. Obviously, Chelsea, I think, had a, a bit of a difficult game at, at Newcastle, didn't they? But then they pulled it out the bag with Man City losing as well at home to Crystal Palace. You kind of felt like this was a good opportunity for Liverpool to, you know, steal a little march on them as well because you do feel like, you know, it's Chelsea and Man City who are paving the way and, and Liverpool were alongside them there. And I do think, you know, it is a missed opportunity, but it's definitely just on to the next one now, isn't it? Atletico Madrid try and qualify for, obviously, the, the knockout stages of the Champions League. And then it's it's West Ham, which, as James said, you know, a massive test for them. But a win there and then I think we're heading into another international oh. break. Like, how many international breaks are there? I just I can't cope. It's got to be the last one, hasn't it? <laughs> 
We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Red Agenda brought to you by The Athletic. James Pierce, Kiever O'Neill, myself, Steve Hother. So let's go to Atletico Madrid. Perfect introduction to that game. And of course, it, it evokes memories of the the last game being played in Britain before the, the COVID shutdown. And I was interested to sort of read that, you know, a few things that have been said by some of Jürgen's coaching staff about how they, they sort of knew and they were a little bit wary on the day that this is a bit odd that this game was actually taking place, James, at the time. Yeah, I think... There was a real, just a real strange feeling around that whole occasion, wasn't there? I think, you know, there was some doubt whether it would go ahead, and then, you know, when you look back now, it just seems absolutely ludicrous that day, that game was played. Um, when you think that at the time Madrid was pretty much the epicenter of positive COVID tests in Europe, and the idea that you'd throw open the doors and and welcome in three thousand Atletico Madrid fans at that time. Was, was absolutely crazy. I know Liverpool have always said, well, look, you know, they can, it wasn't their call. It wasn't Liverpool's decision for the game to go ahead. It was UEFA, it was it was governments, it was way above, you know, L- Liverpool's decision. But yeah, I remember hearing Klopp talking about, you know, after after the game and obviously, you know, he, he said it was just, you know, like a, for him, it was a strange feeling that, that the disappointment of going out was kind of quickly tempered by the fact that there's actually something much bigger going on here because life as we know it is just about to ground to a halt. And I think it did, didn't it? I think the following day was it when, I think it was Mikel Arteta testing positive, wasn't it, for COVID that kind of then led to the Premier League being halted. So yeah, it was just a real, a really strange occasion. And um, yeah, it was... A game Liverpool should have won. Adrian was in goal. It was odd. It was... Yeah, I I think because... Because of what subsequently happened, it almost felt like going out the Champions League then didn't really hurt as much as it probably would have done without everything that was going on in the background. Because you know, the reality was that the competition was then held up, and you know it, it didn't feel the same until the fans came back. But yeah, that was a. I mean, bizarrely, that was actually a night when Liverpool played really well. You know, they that was a game they you know they they should have they should have won that tie. It was um, you know Adrian wasn't it who who made I think two glaring mistakes for the goals and. It was classic Atletico, really, in terms of just somehow clinging in there when they look beaten, and then and then finding a way. And um, yeah, it's it's just set up for an absolutely fantastic night on on Wednesday. With I think anyone who sat through the first game over there a few weeks ago, you were as soon as it finished, it was like wow, you know, we've got that again in a, in, in only a couple of weeks' time. And I think I think the fact that it is such a quick turnaround, they face each other again, just makes it even better because I think. You know, you had the needle on the touchline, didn't you? With you know Simeone 
darting off straight down the tunnel and ignoring the handshake from Klopp and Klopp kind of sarcastically waving in his direction. And, you know, I know that I know the two managers diffused that afterwards and, and insisted there were no issues. But, um, yeah, it was it was very spiky, wasn't it? Even on the pitch, you know, the way that Atletico are, that, you know, they obviously felt massively aggrieved by some of the big decisions on the night. You know, that then translated into them doing everything they possibly could to try and influence the referee. We saw them, you know, surrounding the referee, haranguing him, demanding cards. So yeah, it was you know it was a proper contest over there. Um, that Liverpool had to fight incredibly hard to to win in the end, having you know been absolutely cruising early on. And I don't expect Wednesday night to be any different. It's just great theatre, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you can't take your eyes off it. If we went back to that pre-COVID one, of course, they didn't shake hands; they bumped elbows. And then, of course, you go to the one a couple of weeks ago, they don't shake hands and all eyes. So you know, Kiva, that the, the press are going to be absolutely scrutinising to these two shake hands before the game. It's almost like the, the start of the show, this, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's the thing everyone's going to be looking out for, isn't it? And the pre-match press conferences, because that's where this sort of started, didn't it? Um, ahead of the, the, the first game. Um, but what I did sort of just want to go back to is, you know, that Atletico Madrid game... Well, you know, COVID had taken hold at that point. The fact that that game was allowed to go through and happen and it wasn't stopped by anyone, you know, was horrific. When we look back, you know, I think there was a report recently which said, you know, people on Merseyside, they'd link so many deaths back to that game. I was at that game and, you know, like people have lost their lives because of that, because it was allowed to go ahead. Um, and I don't know, is anyone going to get called up for this? Like who, you know, just feels like that sort of, lost now and yeah really really sad there'll be people who know you know have family members and friends that they know that went to that game and then you know died shortly after of covid and that's really sad isn't it um we should be talking about that this week definitely ahead of the game because it's something that you know we have all sort of been swept up in covid for the past 18 months so well over that now and, you know, that was sort of the start for all of us because we didn't really know what it was. And, you know, looking back now, how that was allowed to go ahead was just quite frankly yeah, I horrific. Right. I mean, really. There's such a serious side to all that, isn't there? Um, and awful, as you say, it's affected so, so many families. What about this game this time round? Obviously, the, the game in Madrid had everything. Um, James expects a similar sort of occasion this time round. Liverpool are very close to, to actually qualifying for the knockouts, Kiva. Yeah, you'd think Atletico are going to bring bring what they've got. They want revenge. They're, they're a team that just always look like they want revenge. I think when you've got someone like Luis Suarez on your side, you're going to tend to look like that. I think they got a good win at the weekend in La Liga. Suarez sure. going to play, presumably because um, Griezmann's suspended? Yeah, you'd imagine they'd want to unleash him back on, on the Anfield crowd. But obviously, you know, Liverpool fans will be quick to remind them that the last time he, he played at Anfield was obviously that famous... Uh, Barcelona game 4-0 so maybe you know he'll be looking to sort of repair that in his own head I guess um you know he's always got a goal in him obviously he scored against Liverpool in the first leg of that semi-final didn't he and he really really enjoyed that one as we know so yeah he'll be definitely um up for this one as will Atletico and you know they need to win this you know as much as anything the Champions League's always been something that's evaded them you know they got to a couple of finals under Simeone but it feels like the one trophy obviously the the reigning La Liga champions they've won that a couple of times under him um, but it just does feel like if they were to clinch the Champions League at some point under Simeone like he could just retire he would no longer need to be a manager there'd be there'd be like 
hundred statues of him in Madrid, wouldn't there? So yeah, they'll they'll be more than up for this one. And you do kind of love that about them. And you like when they're not playing against your team, you can kind of admire the ugliness and the the, the spirit of them. Because yeah, and and they are actually a really good football team as well. I don't think the they've probably surprised people that they're not just sort of that low block sort of side. You know, they can play well on the counter. They play good football. Liverpool looked like they were in control of that game and then it all just sort of turned, didn't it? And I think that was much to do with, with the fans in, in the one dead as well. It's sort of a, a love to hate them, isn't it? A bit like with Suarez, although you sort of love to hate to love him. <laughs> and I, I don't think James, he's going to care about sort of mending bridges with the Liverpool fans sort of it's, <laughs> sort of thing. I think, I think as a true warrior would go, he's coming to Anfield to make his mark, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you only had to see that, you know, going back to that two-legged tie against Barcelona. I think you know he's, they, you know, with some play. You look at Adam Lallana on the weekend, and yeah. you know, someone coming back to their old club, and even when Brighton scored, he was, you know, very, very respectful. You could tell for him it was a massive deal to be coming back and to be treated well and to show his appreciation for that. But like, yeah, Suarez lives in a different world, doesn't he? He there is there's no bridges with Luis Suarez. You know, everyone. If you don't wear the same coloured shirt as him, you're his enemy, aren't you? And that that doesn't change regardless of... You know, I'm sure deep down he still has a close affinity with Liverpool. And I don't doubt he loved his time at the club, but that won't count for anything on Wednesday night. I mean, it, you think back to that Barcelona two-legged tie and he was an absolute disgrace, wasn't he, in terms of doing his best to get play-acting, trying to get people sent off. I thought even, even in the first game over there two weeks ago, I don't know whether... It was clear on the TV because a lot of it happened off the ball. But I saw him, he clattered Van Dyke two or three times after coming on. And, you know, he didn't didn't really ever look like influencing the game in a positive way for Atletico on that particular occasion. But, yeah, he will definitely be in the thick of it. There's no, there's no doubt that he will be, someone will be talking about come late Wednesday night. Just hopefully not, not because he's positively influenced the outcome of the, of the result. But, yeah, obviously, as you said, Steve, with no Griezmann, they're going to turn to him. I think, you know, they beat... Betis 3-0, I think it was yesterday. And he was, I think he was subbed off with about 20, 25 minutes to go, I'm sure, to keep him fresh and, and ready for Wednesday night. So um, he commands respect because he is such a ridiculously gifted player, isn't he? It just all adds to the, the box office of the occasion. Oh, yeah, absolutely love watching him. Let, let, let's do a final word on how you stop him then. And, and clearly Klopp's been rotating his, his centre-halves and Canate's had couple of games um, I think maybe that you know the game against Brighton it wasn't wasn't quite as polished but he's young isn't he still learning to play alongside him and he's obviously trying to manage Matip's minutes on the pitch Kiva yeah I thought you know Canate's performance wasn't bad at all I do feel like the game was almost sort of lost in midfield on the on the um, sort of flanks a little bit Canate you know impressed again if had Liverpool not conceded two goals, then we would have been talking about him in a different way. I thought he, he was absolutely dominant at, at Old Trafford and, you know, imagine coming to Liverpool, you, you're desperate to play, I think, because he's only 22 or something, and Klopp just dropping you into the, the Man United game and him having that performance. I feel like he's up to speed now and, you know, I think we're likely to see a lot more of him. Klopp tends to do this, doesn't he, with, with his new signings. It takes them a little bit of time to sort of, you know, get them on, on the wavelength a little bit. And obviously we know Liverpool hold that high line. I think getting him getting him used to that is important before he sort of, you know, puts him in. I think he's he's got a natural sort of chemistry and understanding with Virgil van Dijk, which is good to see. But as you mentioned, I do feel like it's 
managing the defence a little bit. You know, Joel Matip, his, his injury history. Um, and Joe Gomez as well will be chomping at the bit, won't he? Um, to, to reclaim his spot alongside Van Dyke. So, wouldn't shock me to see either one of those three. Obviously, Van Dyke's just the stalwart that will be there throughout the season, you'd imagine. And yeah, I think it would be a good game for Canate as well, just, you know, on the back of the United game. Brighton was a tough game. Another good test for him, you know, just to, to get that under his belt. What a test it is to come up against Luis Suarez and co. Bring it on. We love a bit of Liverpool um, Atletico. Uh, thanks as always to James and Kiva. Check out Kiva's piece uh, on the Brighton game at the weekend. Of course, the midfield dilemma that faces Jurgen Klopp at the moment. That was the Red Agenda. Thanks for listening. And we'll do another one after the, uh, the Atletico game. See you then.